Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Bachelor. Hello. Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, a bachelorette and bachelor and bachelor of paradise and all that shit podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Ask the question. Yes. What do we do when Kieran's not here? Kieran's been disappearing. Kieran, Kieran. Oh. 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 I mean, that paints it in a slightly wrong light, (laughs) but... He's not here. It's very sad, Xavier Resky Noonan. You are my co-host here, uh, as always. My being me, Max Quinn. Hello. And my co-host is... <laughs> this is the most confusing way to introduce a podcast. Oh, it's He's bad. Max Quinn. That's you know me. him from of being online. Hello, from the internet. And that's Xavier Resky Noonan. And Xavier, oh, how we laughed this week. Uh, wait, do we? Oh, how we laughed as Jamie gaslit the Bachelorette and showed a fundamental misunderstanding of how to meet the needs of another human being. Mm. Oh, how we laughed, Xavier. Yes, wasn't it a thrill? Wasn't it hilarious that Kieran left because his grandma died? What a treat. So sad. I And I will say there were some funny bits. Like, do you remember when Tim wore a hat? Oh, do you remember when Jamie wore a hat? I've got a whole thing about Jamie's hat in here. <laughs> okay, so plenty to look forward to. It's Lots not all to doom look and gloom. forward to. Uh, as we are here to recap uh, Season 5, Episode 7 and 8 of The Bachelorette, in which we saw a goodbye to two good boys... Mm. Um, and in fact, uh, a good I want to say maybe three. No, one of them's not a good boy, a decidedly bad boy. Oh, that's right. The There's another boy. Bad yes. Boys, bad boys. Um, what is he going to do? That's right. I don't know. Um, what are you going to do, Angie, when he comes for you? Uh, who can say? Mm. Mm. Uh, so that's the Dump idea him, with this show. <laughs> uh, should we get underway here uh, with season five, episode seven, recapping The Bachelorette? Is there any news from BOH Nation? It's such a rush, isn't it? It, just to go straight into it. I know. Um, what's new? I joined the library. Oh, yeah. How are you finding that? So far, so good. You described this podcast to me this week as hours and hours and hours of novelized books on tape. It's basically we're doing audiobooks and a lot of people pay a lot of money for an Audible account and a subscription service. I feel like there's money here that we are not collecting. Because like, what it is, is we watch the show, write a novelization every week, and then create this beautiful, like, full cast uh, <laughs> dramatization. Um, yeah, and we ask nothing return. 
Certainly, except maybe for your friendship, love, and admiration. Yeah, and joining our BOH Osh posting group on Facebook. If you don't know about it, this is what it is. Welcome back. You jump in your Facebook, you type the www, and then you do Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting. That's the Facebook group, mm. well, which is growing in size uh, every time that we make an episode and talk about it. Truly, pretty good, considerably bigger than I ever thought it would be already. It's really nice, uh, and we had some great episode discussion threads this week. We've had uh, lots of people raise. Really interesting topics, lots of food for thought in there. Um, so and far. so, for the low price of just sixteen dollars a month, no. you can get access to one post no. on that page that we choose for you. It's free, and you can also pick one other post to see <laughs> per month. And on top of that, you can pay extra to download the other posts. Davey, it sounds like this is a feat of ingenuity. Do you think I'm being ingenuous? <laughs> oh, we had. Or am I being ingenious? <laughs> So, so many, uh, what do you, what would you call them? Um, what's, what is it when you hear a misheard lyric? Oh, Mondegreen. Mondegreens. Uh, so many variations on a theme mm. this week from Jamie. We've got so much to break down as we get into The Bachelorette Australia Season 5, Episode 7. And I hope you've enjoyed the free trial. <laughs> and if you would like to download the full episode, please join the subscription God, club. We've got no subscribers off the top of this podcast. <laughs> And where else could we begin but with our annual Are You Going to Be a Good Dad date? Sure. Our calendars were marked, the stalk was sent on secondment, <laughs> and the boys are bricking it as Carlin brings in a basket of goodies so the boys can contemplate joining the Bub Club. Mm. Matt reckons... I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It <laughs> the it first out. rule of Bub Club. Yeah. yeah. You do not talk, because you're a baby. <laughs> Except for the boss baby, that's different. Well, yes. So Matt reckons that he will smash it. Tim reckons he's in trouble. And Jamie could see himself 100% having babies with Angie, whether she likes it or not. Mm, they're going to happen. Uh, he says, I'm 39. The clocks are ticking. It's now or never. Xavi, I was so interested in this. Mm. It seems like a pretty fundamental understanding of human biology on Jamie's behalf. Yeah, I don't know if it's strictly works that way and i feel like maybe he's trying to be like overly empathetic for right. like women or people in angie's situation or something so i've done some research okay great of course you have richard gear fathered a child this year <laughs> that's the end of the research isn't it do you know how old richard gear is if i were to guess okay richard gear he's been in movies for decades mm. he's a sort of a silver fox but also, I remember him being a silver fox, like, probably at least 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, like, in his 70s? Richard Gere is 69. Oh, my. Thank God. Do you know mm-hmm. how old Justin Trudeau's dad was when he had Justin Trudeau? <laughs> from, from Canada? Yes. Um, no, I don't know. 69? 71. He's <laughs> Louise. Mick Jagger. You remember Mick Jagger? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's got the moves like. Um, uh, a guy who famously stopped having sex. Yes, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah, doesn't, yeah. Doesn't do sex. <laughs> Not a big sex guy. Yep. Um, so he fathered a child in 2016 at the age of 73. <laughs> at this point, we can't be certain that Jamie knows the difference between a uterus and his urethra. <laughs> I will say, though, yes. a ticking clock... It may be, like, early in the morning. You know, like, the clock is still ticking. He will gradually one day die. And maybe, you know, he's, like, 30% of the way through his life. Oldest man to ever have kids? Mm. 96. Wow. (laughs) Wow. The backwards Richard Gere. (laughs) So, we arrive at the Bachelorette pad. Wait, the Ereg Drachir. Right? Right. 
That's pretty good for on the fly. It's pretty good. So we're at the bachelorette pad and Angie tells us that she sees kids as a priority, but not like yesterday's AV. She's not like a timeline kind of girl, just as long uh-huh. as it all happens within the explicit timeline of the next five years, plotted <laughs> out on a love continuum pat- patented by Dr. Matt Agnew. <laughs> oh, hard to get out that line. Agnew. <laughs> Ran out of breath. Mm-hmm. Tim says, I can't wait to be a dad. I reckon I'd kill it. Which, oh, no. I'm just not going to touch you that. You really don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ryan says that he can't wait to have a couple of kids and get them out on the surfboard. You might want to wait a little while. We really want to go through some like swim training. Mm. Uh, Francis Quinn, by the way, swim teacher extraordinaire uh-huh. in Ballina. Uh, father of one Max Quinn. Father of Max Quinn from Ballina. Uh, reckons that you shouldn't teach your kids. You should, in the early days, you just get your kids wet. And then at like three and a half, mm. when they develop gross um, motor skills, that's the point at which you start giving them proper lessons. Interesting. So my dad, Marcek Rebetsky, yes. um, was like, until you can learn to drive a car, you're not getting in the water. <laughs> And I am still on my else. Fair so. enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been a dry life for you. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hayden says that uh, in front of everyone, mind you, he says that he doesn't want to have kids and that he'll now be leaving the mansion later in this episode for this reason. Well, basically, yeah. <laughs> but he is so... I want to applaud him for this because he's not, like, playing along. He's not telling fibs. No. He's just like, listen, nobody asked until now. No. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I don't want it. So, yeah, I think that um, Hayden is very forthright uh, mm. in the way that he talks about this. And I reckon that fairly could ruffle some feathers. But I do like that he was honest. Right. Yeah. Um, so, it's the number one dad's challenge in yes. which the men will compete for time in the studio with Tom Yansek and the <laughs> other Tom, who was also in that band, I think. Yeah, they, they're all trying to... Be the in the big scary side project. Well, it's not a side project. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a like it's all separate, separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's the typical dad run challenge: change the baby, wipe the poo, drop your eldest off at school, pick up a slab of new on the way home, do the vacuuming, tubby yoga. Sharon, why do we have so many coffee cups? Can we throw some out? <laughs> off to swimming. Chuck the arms over for a few k's. Back home, couple of beers, bed by eight. Just my dad. Weird. <laughs> Anyway, somehow Jamie beheads his very own son, which leads to a great confessional in which he, Jamie, explains that for some reason his kid isn't allowed to go to school without arms and a head. (laughs) He truly decapitates it and then also rips its arms off. He's like, I don't understand. Uh, I'd send my child to school in this condition. Just a bit of a tussle. It's nothing a Band-Aid won't be able to fix. (laughs) Kids have got to go through some hard stuff sometimes. He definitely watched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail when he was younger. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, And then Jackson takes it home, winning the extra time with Angie and branding himself a 25-year-old dilf in the process. Xavi, you're a (laughs) 25-year-old dilf. (laughs) Well, I'm not 25 anymore. (laughs) More of a gilf now. What is it? Is that? It's Gandalf that you're thinking. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So Jacko says that he wants to use this time to explain to Angie how much he wants to be a dad because his family was super involved and committed to his development. And he says he wants to raise his family around the core pillars of footy and also footy, which Angie challenges. And then they connect over Angie's cute laugh and Jacko's ability to notice the little things. I think. Jacko's family should be commended for the way that they raised him up from a party pie <laughs> up to a full-grown family. 
Uh, it's like the Grain Waves ad that used to be on TV. <laughs> What's that one? You remember the two, like it's the Mama and the Papa Grain Wave, and they're watching their baby Grain Wave chip get processed on a. Is the chip like I want to grow up? Is the the grain is like I want to grow up to be a chip? And they're like nonsense. That'll never. That's then, right. Yeah, 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 yeah the whole great. thing. Yeah. Now, um, Jacko, the footy thing is kind of whatever, right? Like it would take a whole new podcast to do justice to the footy culture and discourse and everything that surrounds it wonderful for a lot of people whatever you know like angie even describes jackson as pretty footy Mm. but what we're supposed to see here i think is jackson superseding the stereotype right right like you're supposed to see like oh footy and then watch him sort of like blossom into this uh beautiful caring man outside of this who also has a a footy background sure there's something about like the way that he looks and the way, like the roundness of his vowels, like the first time you meet him, that it's easy to go like, oh, he's just a football. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that he is actually maybe goals. Yeah. Yeah. He might. Good. <laughs> Good trying. Thank hey, you. Thanks. Yeah. Anyway, he's like attentive and he's funny and he cares. And I think that that's cool. Even if I don't see myself as someone who would get along with Jacko very super well in the outside world, like I don't think we'd be best buds. But no, I don't. Yeah, I don't it doesn't matter. Like, see myself I think, having yeah. a huge amount in common with him. Yeah, totally. But like, from a, I don't know. He seems nice. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so now it's single date time, and he is really revving up some people oh, in the bachelor community. That's also so. Talk to me about that. Well, I mean, like outside of our wonderful, um, hermetically sealed uh, bachelor <laughs> uh, discussion <laughs> Facebook group. Hermetically sealed. Do anyway. we remember to uh, remove the pasteurization and all the terrible goo that goes along with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but on some other Facebook groups, um, I don't know. They're just really frothing him. They're like, you know, I don't care about the show. I don't care about anyone who's in it, but give me more Jackson. More Jackson. Which is kind of surprising. It's kind of the same thing that we saw with like Apollo. Like yeah, there's certain sure, people who yeah. just like really spark people's like. Down to Jackson. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if it's like specifically a horniness thing a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Felt like it kind of was with Apollo, except that he was also like real sweet and nice. He's real sweet and kind, but Jack is also sweet and kind. Right, yeah. yeah so, we like him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah. So, uh, Jamie, Matt, Hayden, and Alex, I need to remind you, are the people who have not been on a single date yet. Sure, we all and remember all of them. Ki- <laughs> True. Kieran comes in with the single date card. So, it is Carlin who will be starring in this next date. Stalin. <laughs> Tried not to touch it. Slightly different. <laughs> yep. Um, but before we get to Carlin, can we have a quick moment to talk about what we said we were going to talk about at the start of the episode? Jamie's hat. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> I was like, okay. So the premium subscription package. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Jamie's hat. Um, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Is this the like brightly colored? I think it's like yellow maybe? No, this is the one where he looks like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Nark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he looks like Dudley Do-Right's dad. <laughs> Dudley Do-Right. He's look he looks like a scarecrow designed to scare scarecrows. <laughs> That's inscription. <Yeah. laughs> so, Jamie uh uses this opportunity wearing his fabulous hat mm. to put Carlin on blast for the cardinal batchy sin of kissing and telling, and he tries to shame Carlin for being very disrespectful. Oh dear. So jealousy is an ugly color on Jamie, uh, and we'll get to how it all manifests later in the episode. It's almost as bad as that hat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for now, what we're establishing is that something sicketh this way comes. Mm. So it is finally time, Xavier, for our first boat date Yabba-dabba-doo! of the season. Yes, please. Vroom, vroom. Wait, kind of. Did we not have one <laughs> already? With uh, Kieran getting his hair wet. Oh, I guess that's a boat date. So did that we not was talk about a boat okay, date. We right. did talk about it. Ah, 
So you know what we have now yep. is our second most date of the season, unless we forgot other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of is the thing that I'd like to stipulate here right. because there is a boat date, but we don't see it. Right. Carlin uh, arrives at Q Station in Manly, uh, and they are both Carlin and Angie so unsure about whether or not the fire has gone out in their relationship. Mm. So, because it's been all of what, like three, four weeks, maybe <laughs> since, since they, they spent, spent any hours. time together. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, what happens here is that we're supposed to go kayaking. Uh huh. We get to the beach, and Angie's like, "Look, these water canoes that we can go in at right. our leisure I remember on the them date for a moment." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the entire thing gets cut for time, and instead we are treated to such thrilling conversational morsels as, "Do you like the beach? Yeah. Is it your fave?" I grew up around it. And also, take your shirt off. Xavi. There is some rubbing of the chest. Yes. That part was deemed important enough <laughs> about getting to know the relationship that will ultimately be the winning relationship <laughs> in the series. That certainly will be re-aired at the finale, I would say. But that's the thing. There's nothing else that they can reuse. Right. Like, do, you, do you still reckon Carlin wins? I mean, I am not being given a lot of evidence. Right. That supports that, but something in my gut just tells me to stick with that. Yeah. I think Carlin's a super nice dude, and we saw a lot of it on the first first date that he went on with Angie, where he talked about everything that happened with his wife. Right. The way that he was um, super respectful in telling Angie about Jess was really, really good. Yes. Um, I think he's just, like, being a generally good team player and also staying out of trouble. Right. In that sort of way that means that the actual, like, romantic underpinning stuff can kind of sneak up on us. Yeah. And Angie can be like, you know, oh, he's just been such a consistent force of good for this whole time. Right. And, and we can be like, wait for, like four or five weeks and now the show's over yeah but i guess like you know yeah for me at the moment like this date felt like a lot of sausage and not a lot of sizzle i gotcha yeah, yeah. but i i think it's also my my viewing of him as the winner is in part influenced by angie's reaction doing like interviews and stuff like that and press yeah. after the show had been filmed where she didn't make it seem like she had completely fallen head over heels in love. Right. She didn't make it seem like this was going to be some forever thing and she wasn't necessarily like, you know, getting shacked up and married to the guy or whatever. She's like, I got a boyfriend. She's like, I'm happy with how it went. Like, yeah. you know, I think it went well. I'm feeling good. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe you're just kind of starting to get to know this guy, but like he's got this hunky vibe and whatever. And dare I say, could it be healthy? Potentially. Mm-hmm. So Jamie and Tim are working out back at the mansion and Jamie announces his plan to take down Carlin at the cocktail party. So Tim tries to talk him out of it. Tim's like, this is a bad idea, Jamie. It will make you look bad. Don't do this. And Jamie's like, look, I'm simply filled with jealous rage and toxic bile. And I feel <laughs> duty bound to spew it all over Angie at the next cocktail party. Mm. And I'm okay with that. I have no choice. <laughs> so Jamie says Carlin is here for his acting and TV career. And also resolves to tell Angie who is genuine and who is ingenuine inside the mansion. Mm. If you'd like to just quickly set your ingenuine counter to two, because he doubles down on that delightful turn of phrase before he tells Tim, Carlin is a fake. Mm. Cut to Carlin and Angie holding hands, heading to the restaurant for the product placement part of their date. (laughs) They're drinking rum and bonding over Carlin impressing Angie's parents. So they're having these rum drinks at the Q Station restaurant, which I've forgotten the name of, but I've been there, let me tell oh. you. Yeah, so I've done this. We did it for um, Danny's mum's birthday earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And 
basically what happens is that you can go on like a ghost tour. Oh, fantastic. It's kind of cool. Which is good because this episode aired on the 30th of October. Oh, spooky. Mm. And uh, the, the idea is that you go on the tour and then it's revealed to you that the ghost is actually the woman who is uh, taking you around on the tour who very much does not want to be there. Oh. Um, and when you ask her questions, she goes... <laughs> I don't remember this part of the episode. Yeah. So I would say that um, it's because she's largely invisible. Right. To the naked eye. Oh, that makes sense because yeah. it's like mirrors. They can't be caught on film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Checks out. And then the restaurant um, is uh, all right. Hey. Yeah. That's great. So- Thanks for that user review. <laughs> Um, so they take their rum drinks and walk down to a beach picnic and in confessional, Angie drops the all too familiar, he's too perfect refrain. Uh Oh, he's too good to be what? What? True. Their chat is nice. Angie identifies Colin as one of the genuine ones and Colin- So not in genuine. (laughs) Colin assures Angie that he's here for serious reasons. They kiss- Colin gets a rose, and we get that like triumphant hill song, kind of music uh, in celebration. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, which moment's this? Cocktail party time. Fantastic. And it is time for Jamie to go off king. The cocktail party that never ended. <laughs> in confessional, the boys get in a lot of posturing about what Jamie is about to do. And it's here we learn that this week, Kieran has been having a hard time with his mental health in the mansion. Mm. He says that he's an emotional wreck, and we'll table that for now just because it comes up in the next episode, and it's obviously important news for later. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jamie approaches Angie as soon as she arrives at the party, saying, it's very important for you and I to have the first chat, but Angie stands her ground, saying Jamie can go second because she wants to talk to Hayden first. Mm. Now, this is the thing from beforehand where Hayden doesn't want kids and Angie does and he's sent home. The whole thing is fine. Hayden is like maybe a bit short, uh, but they're candid and frank and they find a way for it to be okay and leave on good terms. I actually, I want to say that I really like this. Yeah, right. Okay. I felt like it was really well handled on both of their parts. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it felt a bit rushed was more due to the editing. Yeah, interesting. I feel like like there's probably a whole conversation there that we kind of didn't see. Well, I guess that's probably true. We skipped a whole, you know, canoe part of a date. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it felt so clipped to me. I was like, it was just a very transactional thing. Yeah. But you could tell from the reactions that both of them gave, particularly towards the end, that they had really kind of come to peace with it. Yeah. They're both like genuinely okay with it yeah they were like look we're just being mature like you know yeah this has been fun and it wouldn't really make sense for it to keep going right and yeah i think it was good and nice and healthy and um kind of weird that everything else completely overshadowed it so much yeah yeah um and to your point i do think that it felt rushed and probably you're right everything that we have to make room for now Mm. is the reason for that i mean it's significantly less like uh, scandalous, I mm. suppose. But you know, I feel like Hayden uh, has didn't really get his due, um, right? In uh, in so much as the fact that, like, yes, maybe he wasn't the perfect match for Angie, but also like has never said or done anything wrong on this show. Um, from what I can remember, yeah, we saw him sort of stand up for Angie a couple of times against yeah. Jess and against Jamie. Hayden, overall, I don't think did himself any harm through this long of a run on an Australian reality TV show, which is a feat unto itself. I want to say the other Hayden from Bachelorette Australia 
still leagues ahead. He's the guy who stepped out of the limo, said, you look dabulous, and then dabbed. <laughs> he will oh, never be I surpassed. forgot about him. Oh, no. I mean, it's a hard act to follow. <laughs> the um, funny whimpering you're hearing in the background is beautiful Danny, who uh, is feeling a bit crook tonight and has graciously decided to sit in and listen She's on the podcast. Live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie and Angie. I'm smiling. I shouldn't be. They find a private place to sit. And Jamie says that he's finally decided to man up and tell Angie who's genuine here and who is disingenuous. Who disbin... Disbin... Ginseng... <laughs> and so firstly it's clear that Angie does not want a bar of this Right She's like oh, oh dear And it also feels like Jamie is once again doing this thing Where he is missing the entire message of what Angie's saying to him And just assuming her needs based on what his needs are Yes It's weird Like it feels like what he's responding to is the part from last week Where his manliness was challenged You know Angie called him out for saying that there were some men with ulterior motives in the mansion and decli- him declining to name them. Yeah. So he's understood the bit where he's been pulled up for trying to talk out of both sides of his mouth, but he's using that false pretense of like, I'm a good guy and yeah. you know that you need to hear this information to shit on other dudes and like position himself as the knight in shining armor. Yeah, which... and he also uses phrases like, she's asked me on multiple occasions to name the other guys who are being disingenuous. Yeah. Well, he maybe doesn't use those exact set of words. <laughs> yeah. But like, he has only been asked that because he's been like, there are guys in this house who aren't genuine. And yeah. she's been like, please tell me what you mean. Right, right, exactly. And so he even, you know, if we're going to talk about his phrases, he even uses knight in shining armor, which is a regressive piece of language Hmm. in and of itself. You know what I mean? Like the image of a knight riding in implies that there's some woman who needs to be saved from something. And I think it's pretty clear from everything that's happened this season that Angie doesn't need no saving. Yeah. And also like modern armor has really come a long way. It doesn't (laughs) have to be shiny. It'd be like some kind of Kevlar or bulletproof fabric, like a microfiber. Yeah, it's much more uh, breathable. Well, we're steampunks now, so well, <laughs> are we? You and I? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've got a big old contraption that powers the podcast. <laughs> Steampunk jousting is something that I haven't really given too much thought to past putting those two words together, mm-hmm. but it's something that I would really like to dedicate more of my life to. I think it sounds like a facebook name that you would set for yourself (laughs) if you did not want to be identified by anyone you've ever met no one looked me up (laughs) um so he says this is gonna hit you like a ton of bricks the other guys are going to wish that i left last week after i say all this so it's a threat presented as a content warning wonderful it's so cooked uh like i can't believe that he's saying this shit and even better is that he's saying it in this complete like mortician's um, like deadpan Right You know where he's just like I regret to tell you That your family have died In a gigantic car crash But it's for your own good That you hear this mm. You know like There's yeah. just something that's very like It's somewhat somber and chilling mm. It's Yeah it's, it's weird The register that he's in here Anyway He names and shames Matt For being too career focused He names Kieran for being Quote ingenuous He's gone for it. He's like, uh, it doesn't it's seem like really I'm saying it right. Oh my God. What is it? 
And finally, Carlin for being completely ungenuine and peacocking about being the 2020 Bachelorette next year. That's a quote, 2020 Bachelorette next year. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the best years to do it. It is. It's a, <laughs> it's a tautology special this week on the podcast. But we have seen Carlin wearing glasses. Yeah. So we know he is not the 2020 Bachelorette. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, don't we? Yeah. So um, he puts it on Angie. You see Carlin as the knight in shining armor. There's that phrase. Um, but it's not the fairy tale that you think. Carlin is here to further his TV and acting career. So this is all predicated on what we've just heard from Angie in confessional about Carlin being too good to be true and waiting for the other shoe to drop. And this new influx of misinformation makes her feel scared and vulnerable which is exactly what she was saying to him on the day. I feel scared and I feel vulnerable. And I mean, it's this thing that we've talked about probably 500 times. In yeah. This, it's the span of this podcast, which is like, find me a um, person who is on the TV show, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, who is not there to find a TV role. That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah. not there to find themselves working in the entertainment industry. Right. It so- is <laughs> an entertainment industry job. <laughs> So, Jamie goes back to the boys to explain... I feel like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and stuff are all just trying to get into movies. (laughs) What did Brad Pitt before do? do? What did Brad Pitt 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 before before do? do? All right. Jamie goes back to the boys to explain that he has dibber on Carlin, and as a result, he will be wearing nappies for the rest of the season. (laughs) We click the ingenuine counter up again a couple more times before Carlin confronts Jamie. Jamie says, I'm not too happy about you saying you want to be the 2020 Bachelor, which is news to Carlin Mm. uh, and to everyone else in the mansion. And Carlin deals with it by standing up, saying that he is here for Angie and telling Jamie, I left high school a long time ago. You're 39. Grow the hell up. Yeah. Go off. Yeah. It was sick. Yeah, that was good. So now it's time for damage control as Angie pulls Carlin aside and asks, who are you? Who the hell are you? which is wild. Yeah. Right? This is the, um, if you want to see what the effect of gaslighting looks like, yeah. this is what that is. It's a full, it's a full like, trust breakdown. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it calls into question Carlin's trustworthiness. Mm. He stands up for himself. He says he's all in. He wants to fight for her, but Angie is still sus. Yeah. In confessional, she says she doesn't know how to process it. She doesn't know about Carlin's motives, and she pulls Tim aside to get the truth. Tim, of course, is like, nah, Jamie's fucked, before we cut back to the boys giving Jamie an absolute serve. Tim sets Angie straight. Shout out also to the people in our Osh Posting Facebook group who said that someone needs to set Tim's tie clip straight. Did you see this? I saw that. It wasn't even just off-center. It was like clipped up at like his (laughs) collarbone. Yeah, it's not something that I would ever notice, but I love that there are people in this community who do. So shout out to you if you're one of those people. Yeah. Um, And then Carlin and Angie get together to get it all square. In confessional, Tim gives what I think is the quote of the season, where he says, And also, where's Hayden? I'm pretty sure Hayden has been gone for the last two hours and nobody's bloody even noticed. (laughs) Before there is some weird confusion where Tim thinks that Angie has taken Carlin's rose back because she's wearing Carlin's jacket, which has the rose pinned to it. And this sets the other boys, particularly Kieran, off like fireworks. Right. 
This so, part this is, is maybe so funny. The funniest part of the episode. It's the funniest part of the episode, clearly because everyone's shit faced by this point. Yes. Like, obviously, I'm sure you come to an end of a night like this and you are plowed and you are emotional yes. and. Tim is up in arms about being cast as a like someone who's stirring the pot too much, and and like Network Ten can't just like not air it because it is clearly gold. But also yeah. they have very little choice but to end the episode right. with it because yeah, like yeah. structurally speaking, what else are you gonna do? Right. This is like the high watermark for this episode. Right. Somehow. It's the thrilling cliffhanger, <laughs> which is like Tim who is pretty shit faced. Yeah. And also like maybe not the most perceptive guy to begin with. In right. There. Right. Sees Angie with Carlin's jacket draped over her with the rose still attached from yep. their date and assumed that she had taken the rose back from him. Right. And then reports this to the others who pissed, exhausted. There's like this huge commotion. Kieran gets frustrated. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and they try and make that you're a fucking idiot. I'm, tr- I'm getting out of here. Make it look like that's him deciding that that's, that's what he wants his, to leave the show. Yeah, time to leave the mansion. It's so dumb. It's really confusing. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The- I rewatched it a couple of times. I was like, no, yeah, they just that's they just ran out of tape. Yeah. They ran out of airtime. Like, <laughs> it's so funny because like you get the full walk up from Kieran where he's like, what's this dick- dickhead say? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get there with that oh, one day, listener, great. dear listener. Um, and then like, um, K- Tim has already put up his hand and he's been like, oops, yeah, I've got this wrong. I'm so <laughs> sorry. And then it's like Tim defending himself for getting it wrong where he's yeah. like, go look what it looks like. He says that probably 16 <laughs> times. Like, no, but go look what it looks like. Have go look, look what it looks, looks like. like. Have a look. Go look. <laughs> and everyone's like, Tim, just explain what's going on. He's like, no, just go have a look. <laughs> and then like Kieran narrating it for everyone is so funny where he's like, so I'm walking over. I'm having a look. Bang. She's got the jacket, you fucking idiot. And he storms off before we get a to be continued. What an incredible cliffhanger. It's like of all the batchy cliffhangers that we have had, Mm. which I mean, there's been about five. This is by far the best. Totally. And I think there's some really good emotional cliffhangers. And certainly in the US Bachelor, they will will lean on that quite heavily. Definitely. Where they're like, oh my God, I actually don't fucking know what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, it's just like, you guys need to eat something. (laughs) You guys need a kebab pronto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get these boys a kebab and like... Poor Kieran. The other thing that makes it work is that it does end on the emotional note of like, oops, right. our fan favorite is going yeah, home. Yeah, exactly. Which is fucking devastating. And right. it starts with The Bachelorette Australia, season five, episode eight. So we hear it first from Jackson, who tells the camera that Kieran's received some bad news. And our POV switches to hand-operated cameras, and we hear dialogue from producers so that we know something very serious is happening. You have taken notes. Oh, Buddy. POV. <laughs> yeah. Woof. I've texted you during a week saying, like, Max, I've done something bad. I've done <laughs> way too many notes. Um, Kieran reappears. He's wearing plain clothes. He's unmiked. And Angie says, No, you're not going. But he begins to cry. Angie takes him away from the group to have a private chat where he reveals that his nan has died. They were extremely close. Um, we didn't mention it earlier, but Angie and Kieran had actually talked about her a few episodes ago. It's clearly like a big part of his life. Right. And now, like, uh, you want kind of understand why that was included in the story, right? Exactly. In in hindsight, well, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, it's this extremely raw and vulnerable moment, and it goes on for quite a while. Yeah. Um, Kieran cries in her arms, and she comforts him, and she starts to shed some tears as well. Kieran says, "I feel like we have a connection, and it's really hard for me to do this." And Angie says, "I really don't want you to go, but..." 
I know that family comes first and I would never make you pick me over your family. You need to do what's right for you. And which is lovely. Which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. This is uh, just as an exchange of vulnerability on the TV. Mm. It was so on Thursday night, we had this happen on The Bachelorette, which mm. was amazing. Mm. This man showing vulnerability and emotion surrounding, you know, um, something really sad that's happened to a loved one mm. and leaning on the people around him for support and mm. being open and getting that support. Mm. And then on Survivor, I don't know if you've heard about what happened on Survivor on Thursday. No. Okay, so there's uh, an African-American man on the season. His name is Jamal and he's in his mid-30s and on his tribe is a young white guy named Jack. And mm. Jack's maybe 23, comes from California. And what happens is... The Jack and Jamal are in an alliance. They've made really good friends with each other, really starting to come out of their shell. And then one day over the fire, Jamal says, or Jack says to Jamal, hey, can you pass me your do-rag? Which is his survivor buff. And it's got a name. It's a buff. And the loaded context of it being a do-rag speaks to all kinds of you know, connotations about African-American men. And we get this lovely teaching moment where... Firstly, we see Jamal get really offended and then sort of take it in and go, okay. And and obviously Jack, the young kid, like become aware of what he's done and embarrassed by it and start to apologize. And then they reconvene later on the beach and Jamal explains it to him from his perspective and Mm. Jack is so willing to take it on Mm. and it's beautiful. And for me to have those two things come through my TV on Thursday night, it was just one of the best uh, in terms of like real human expressions of emotion and growth and all that kind of stuff. It's one of the best nights of TV that I can remember. That's incredible. I guess I had kind of a similar experience, which is that directly after watching this episode, mm. um, naturally it was Thursday night, it's Halloween. So I watched the movie Saw <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's just a real growth between two people who are trapped Oh. In a room, their legs are chained to a uh, mm. wall. Yep. And, uh, you know, over the course of some time, they have to figure out who who put them there, how they got there. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, essentially uh, unravel the riddle of, uh, you know, how to get out. Yeah. There's uh, tapes. They have to, you know, I mean, there's a gun and, you know, all, all sorts of to yeah, chop yeah. a foot up. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, would have been sore after that. Oh, right. that's exactly what they look like. So, yeah, I mean, a big night for two. Kieran I'm <laughs> some water. <laughs> I've just noticed. We've got new microphones. I've just noticed how audible it is. Oh, yeah. Kieran says, I'm definitely going to regret doing this. I think we would have been a perfect match. I'm super sorry. It's got to end this way. And like, it, this just feels like it's such an incredible amount that he is trying to process. Yeah. All in one go. Like, I really applaud his ability to not just publicly grieve, which is something that I don't think people should have to do. Like, right. I feel like people really need their privacy in a moment like that. Totally. And for him to be in a situation where he doesn't have much choice about how this stuff is going down. Right. Um, he handles himself really well and he still has Angie's best interests in mind. Right. And he's still trying to make her laugh even at the end, which is so beautiful. Right. Like even as she gets sad that he's leaving, he like is like, well, slide into my DMs or, you know, um, if it doesn't oh, I'll, work I'll out. I'll get to that. Bit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 
I also think Angie really allows him the space to express himself yeah. and shows like a lot of compassion. She's clearly quite genuinely affected by this. I don't think you can fake this. No. Um, or I think maybe you could and it seems like she's not. Mm. Um, and I also think that like as much as we talk shit about the production of this show and editing and that sort of thing, I feel like they handled this pretty well. They like, gave it lots of space. Right. And, and, and it was restraint, I think. And it was like, you know, because this is a, it naturally tugs your heartstrings. Yeah. And I think... Uh, you know, there might be some temptation to like really lean into it and like play these big soppy strings and like, you know, like try and get everyone reach for that box of Kleenex or whatever. Right. But I think it was more emotionally effective because it was just, you know, there was like a little bit of like music or whatever, but it wasn't like, look at this, which is happening type of thing. You know? Right. The thing that made it affecting was that it was pretty threadbare. It's kind of like mm. how they aired um, all of Richie and Alex's conversation. Sure. In Paradise, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's almost that taken to like the most extreme degree. Yeah. Um, this, I feel like, just struck a good balance because I feel like a moment like that would have stood out a little too much in this episode. Um, but I, I just think it was like nice and not too overstated especially after all the raw emotion of whether or not tim saw angie take the rose off Carlin. does it count if the rose is not currently on him kieran says if it doesn't work out with any of these idiots then you're still welcome to slide into my dms Lol. and they share this really bittersweet laugh and angie wipes the tears from his face and says i'll miss you and then they share a really heartfelt kiss in front of the limo which seems to go for quite a while there is, of course, masses of discussion online about whether it was a, quote, lover's kiss or whatever, oh. or, like, what this means for their future. True and love's like, first kiss. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know how much we should or can read into that. <laughs> um, but in there's also just, like, a weird edit here, which I want to point out, which is yeah. in Angie's narration, which we don't see her say, there's some mm. really weird spacing, which stood out to me on first watch. There's, like, gaps edited between the words to make you feel like Angie is maybe feeling it more. I don't know. And also, it felt like there's one part of this sentence which is mixed down heaps, right. so you can't, kind of can't hear it. So she goes, I guess I won't know now. What if he was the one? And you're like, wait, he was the one? She said, I stopped listening for we a second. We did that here in the room. Yeah. I was like, he was the one? Oh. oh. Very strange. Yeah. Um, but then after the limo leaves, we see Angie break down and cry. And the sound of her crying is played over footage of Kieran weeping in the limo home. So sad. Really sad. So the other thing that circulated online is that people want Kieran to be the bachelor next year. Yeah. Wouldn't be against it. I'm here for it. Be pretty good. I think like, I don't know. Is it too soon for him to be in paradise? Mm, We have people from last year's batch at on this oh no, no no i know but like i mean well yeah i mean yeah he should go on paradise he'd have a wonderful time that's true and we saw ali come off paradise to be the bachelorette so sure. definitely possible pork and ellis does let's do the whole gamut of yeah. kieran more do the we more love the better. him enough oh, well i mean do we love it absolutely enough yeah he's yeah. my favorite male character to come through the show in ages yeah 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 for real let's give it to kieran he's the best show off those new neck tats <laughs> which some people hate yeah Look, I'm like, I mean, it's not my flavor, but come on. Oh, let a guy go. Yeah. I, there's a lot of people being like, he's ruined his perfectly good body. I'm like, well, he was already he almost was already, completely yeah, covered, in covered in tattoos. Almost feels like he missed a spot by not <laughs> getting the necks. The necks? Sorry, I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> hey. Um, so the men debrief about the second cancelled rose ceremony of the season. 
and they're still quite shocked and dismayed that Kieran has had to leave. Hayden is not mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Focus switches back to Jamie, as Tim points out that Jamie was in no small part the catalyst for the drama the previous night. Right. And Jamie seems unapologetic, saying, no, because I told her the truth. And then Carlin calls him out on it, backed up by the rest of the men. But the mood is very serious. Yes. People are not not Jamie's biggest fans at this time, I would guess. No, I wouldn't just say to throw so. it out there. Yeah, at a guess. Yeah. So Jamie's actually doubled down on this in the media since his exit from the show. Is that right? Yeah. He's been like, no, I was telling the truth. Carlin definitely said it. And from everyone else... Just crickets. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like... Did he say it? Who knows? Devil's avocado here. Yeah. Did he fucking say it? Maybe he said it to Jamie in passing. Maybe he said it as a joke. Who knows? Maybe it's a dog cunt thing where it's like, oh, chill out. Like, yeah. if you're there, you're going to say some weird stuff that out of context... Like, I feel like both of those things, 100% I would say them out of context. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be The Bachelor next year. This will be, <laughs> oh, my God, did you hear what he said? Like, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Angie appears and she is attempting to turn the mood around with a date that will give her a good laugh. So she takes Tim on a fancy date. Cute. It's a much needed emotional reprieve, obviously, at this point. But also, in my opinion, it's just like a really good idea to see if Tim can handle this type of situation. Yeah, I like this premise where Angie has been taking the men out of their element. Right. This has been good to sort of like get past the um, things that play into the facade of what you are yeah. or what you're presenting on the show and just sort of give you something else to to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't start incredibly well. Um, when he walks out in a top hat and tuxedo, he looks so unnatural, so uncomfortable. I tweeted that he looks like the Hitcher from The Mighty Boosh. <laughs> Um, some people pointed out he looks like Tim Minchin, also true. Um, he has, uh, he, he gets picked up in a vintage car. Angie steps out of the car and bumps her tiara. She's wearing those long white gloves, a shiny necklace. It's all very schmick. Uh, and then they arrive at a fancy outdoor table setting. It's all champagne and waltzy violin music. Tim does a bunch of Tim nonsense. Yep. Like slapping his champagne and saying, oh, there's a bug in the glass. Oh, I'm just going to drink it. <laughs> when did he become Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> hey, you don't get no respect. I don't know. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> uh, if they put Rodney Dangerfield on the show, it's not going to happen. Um, but anyway, he doesn't seem to be feeling quite right. Yeah. So I resonate with this. I love that all of this was shown sort of warts and all Mm. because I like that Tim, you know, who is kind of like the guy who was happy to play it up and be into it Mm. was put in this situation where he was way out of his element and he didn't spit the dummy like Waza and go home. Sure. But he was uncomfortable and he articulated it. And I think that there is something in this rather than, uh, it's speaking to Waz's masculinity and having to get dressed up like a chook. Yeah. I think that there's something in it that maybe speaks to class. Yeah. And I know myself that as someone who grew up just just middle class, just in the, you know, on the coast without much, you know, like I'm not going to pretend that we were uh, destitute, mm. but, you know, like without much of an experience of what it is to be exorbitantly wealthy or um, live beyond my means, Mm. 
I feel out of place when I go to fancy restaurants. Sure, yeah. You know, like I uh, sometimes I feel like those sort of things are for maybe like I just sometimes I get a bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, in well, those I things. feel like there's an inherent sort of barrier to entry, right? And if you feel like you have snuck in past that barrier, you feel like you're going to get caught out, right? Because I feel like a shit punk from Ballina, right? You know, um, and there are certain, uh, yeah, exactly like like within yourself, you just sort of feel like maybe I don't belong. There's an amount of identity and. Mm class and all that sort of stuff that that's tied up in or at least that's what i'm projecting from my own personal experience onto that sure yeah um well a distraction appears it's some very fancy iranian caviar valued at one thousand dollars a kilo um in voiceover angie says is it caviar or caviar is it xavier um she attempts to explain what caviar is to a somewhat confused tim Probably the best dialogue of the episode. <laughs> Have you ever had sushi with the little Nemo's on top? You know, the little Nemo fish eggs, like the orange? These are like if Nemo wasn't a peasant fish. Oh, God. Classism, I guess. Yes. I don't know. I mean, Nemo was a king of fish. <laughs> he was. Um, or a clown, I suppose. He was the clown prince of fish. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the joker of the seafood world. Um, they eat the caviar. Tim pretends to like it despite saying, quote, they taste like some fresh pilchards out of my tackle box back in Port Douglas. Well. But then Tim is feeling a bit strange again. He sort of needs to take a moment. He tells the producer he doesn't really know what's going on with him. And Angie's like, fuck, another one? Like, yeah. someone else is feeling like, oh my god. Um, but a producer gives this, like, super genuinely helpful advice that I truly love, which is, you don't always have to be hilarious. Right. And it's, like, so good. Like, yeah. you normally hear a producer try to stir up trouble or just being, like, you know, playing the role of someone who's like, oh my god, he's running out of the house. Or yeah, bro, listen, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. It's also something that re- resonates with me as someone who tries to make this show funny, but <laughs> also include serious things and can't always be feeling my best. Sure. Well, just in all aspects of my life. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's I very good advice. Yeah. Particularly, I guess, for somebody. You know, the thing that I relate to most about Tim is that wanting to do funny things as a defense mechanism or whatever. Sure, yeah. Or, you know, just that's your comfort zone is to be making jokes about stuff or yep. being a bit silly. And you don't always have to be doing that. No. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice to think like, uh, I can just be. Right. You know, and ultimately that's the kind of thing where... You know, we saw Angie's dad in the last episode say Tim would drive you crazy. Yeah. Right? Um, around the dinner table. Mm. If Tim is to blossom into the sort of person who can just be, that's the kind of relationship you want. You want someone that you mm. can just be who you are with. And, and if you are lucky, that's what you get. Right. And he's someone that you know that you can rely on to do the silly, funny stuff. Right. But hopefully, yeah, he can also... You can sit beside him and just be fucking quiet. Yeah. Which would be so the fuck nice. Up, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> kind, no. of, kind of came out like that. <laughs> okay. Um, after the break, it's night time, and Tim and Angie are in robes, ready to get into an outdoor bath topped with rose petals. The water is very hot. They have a hard time getting in, and once they're submerged, it's clear that it's totally overfilled. <laughs> Archimedes. <laughs> 
did not discover the physical law of buoyancy for them to spill water all over the carpet that this bath is resting on. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because when I saw it and all the water flowed and it hit the carpet, I was like, ah, comedies. <laughs> Max, you reek at telling jokes. <laughs> um, Gold. <laughs> did he yell that too? Yes. Okay, good. Um, still, it's pretty nice, I reckon. You know, they uh, she covers him like uh, his whole face in rose petals, and then he says that uh, he looks like her Logie's dress. Great. Um, plus, we get an eyeful of Tim's impressive tattoo coverage. There are so many tattoos on this season. Oh yeah, I think maybe we've talked about this. Before. Tatty boys. Yeah, Tatooine. <laughs> this series is set on Tatooine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like Jar Jar's intro. Qui Gon Tim. Thank you. Ah, very good. So did an episode name? Probably. Uh, yes, thank you. Tim seems to calm down a bit in the bath. Maybe he just needs a soak. I don't know. Yep. He says, this means so much. We have a connection that like, I love. Um, I just want to... Sorry, before we continue with this. Uh, I still haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies. Ah. What that reference was in reference to was the Weird Al parody song of American <laughs> Pie in which he references Qui-Gon Jinn. Sure. So I know that that's a Star Wars thing, mm-hmm. but I have no idea what it's in reference to. Uh, fantastic. Great. I honestly feel like that um, song, The Saga Begins, is probably better than at least one or two of the prequels. <laughs> Certainly quicker. <laughs> this here Anakin guy. It's a good, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Vader someday later. but sometimes I do. That's one of the first songs I learned on guitar, and it was this version of it because my year four teacher taught us this version for some reason. <laughs> I know how I can get the kids to engage with Don McLean. <laughs> Weird Al. Weird Al. Well, that's true. Mm. We should do a Weird Al. We should get Weird Al to do a version of this podcast. Yeah, it's good. Where he does like a funny version of everything that we say <laughs> for like 90 minutes. <laughs> I wonder what his rate is. Uh, we can get him on. Uh, what's that app now? Where you get people on? Oh, Cameo. Cameo. Mm. Tim says, I love a date to have a little bit of ups and downs and finish with something like this. For me, it's massive and I'm glad we got to do it like this. And I guess that's true. Like within this experience, you don't necessarily have a lot of opportunities for things to not go 100% great every time. True. But it's important for people who are starting a relationship together to know that they have the coping mechanisms and skills to get through areas that might be a little bit more difficult. Right. And as long as it doesn't become a pattern, right, right, this is the sort of thing that it's important to know that you can navigate. Yeah. The point of contrast is Matt and Eleanor from last season where it was like, oh, no, they've gotten something wrong. Oh, good. They've resolved it. And then it was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 Well, Angie says she's proud of Tim for sitting still for so long and tells the camera that she needed to see this side of him, the sitting still side. Isn't it good? Yes. Uh, Before offering him a rose and giving him a pretty sensual kiss. So we cut to the cocktail party um jackson jinxes things by saying he's hoping for the first ever cocktail party with no drama oh jackson the fuck are you doing who are you are you on this show (laughs) uh immediately angie uh spoils it by making a very dramatic entrance with a fun pinned backed hairdo and pretty incredible smoky eye with a metallic purple highlight so we said that we were going steampunk Mm -hmm. but as it turns out we're going roller derby is that right? Is that with the pin back hair and oh, the fun makeups and stuff? I didn't even think. I thought you were going to say we were going steampunk. Actually, we were going smoky eye punk. Ah, cute. You know what? Alternate timelines. Mm, Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. Carlin gets the first chat, hoping to regain the trust shaken at the previous cocktail party. 
She tells Carlin that she's frightened that someone will use this experience to leverage their personal trajectory and that he does seem too good to be true. All stuff we've heard. And he says, the biggest truth is the connection that I've made with you and that's the most important thing to me. It's a pretty good answer. Right? That's it seems to what just you sort of hear. Like tie a nice ribbon around all of this drama that's happened. Yep. Thank you, Carlin. Um, we see Tim doing a voxy where he says he's worried about the cocktail party before a crew member reminds him that he has a rose <laughs> and he has nothing to worry about, which is super funny. And I don't mean to be a killjoy, but like, should this not be a bigger deal on yeah. some level? Like, is he engaged with what's going on at all? It's pretty funny. Like, well, it is funny. Like they play it off. Like it's like silly old clumsy Tim. But, like, maybe send him home. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is it, but, but. Like, this he's is a, a low space moment space cadet, bro. Well, like, I just think, like, he's just, I, I have time for this because I understand this in my own life. Hmm. I understand the thing where you're like, oh, sorry, what have I said? Oh, that, oh, no, I meant none of that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for so. example, um, someone who I may have told, I may have told this story on the podcast before. Have I told the story about um, the girl who we met who works at or used to work at the burger place in Glebe? And she, I said, what do you do? And she said, I work at the burger place in Glebe. And I said, me too. <laughs> and that was not true. No, it no, wasn't true at all. And she was like, place in Glebe. sorry, um, oh, I've never seen you there. And I was like, yeah, I've probably only gone once or twice. And she was <laughs> like, you just said that you worked there. And I was like, oh, no, that was a complete lie. I'm so sorry about that. What I've tried to do is continue the conversation. But unfortunately, I've agreed with your point about you working there mm. in saying that I also work there. Yeah. Which it's is like when the yeah. person at the movies is like, enjoy your movie. And you're like, you too. And they're like, I, I'm working for the next eight hours. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, okay. More evidence against Tim, I guess. He also overlooks a private chat between Ryan and Angie. And tells the camera he's jealous, decides to butt in immediately as they're about to share a pash. Cute. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like, stop. Yeah. Um, again, it's like, play off. He's like, like Puck. He's like Puck. In a Midsummer Night's Dream, this well, little mischievous elf who's getting around causing drama. But I think drama. they're portraying him like that, but also like he's doing similar stuff to what uh, Old Mate does. Old Mate? Uh, Mr. Batman. Jamie? Yeah. Don't it, you think on some level, like... He's like still staring at them after he walks away and is told to leave. And he's like, yeah, but I still want to chat. Uh, like it's a bit off. Maybe he's just yeah. hammered. I guess. Yeah. I Yeah. So. I'm, this is not an indictment of him as a person. No, but you're right. But he's not conducting himself as well as we've seen him do. You're right in that this is the thing that I mm, excuse as humor, mm. but isn't probably that funny well i feel i feel like because we're bringing a lot of ourselves to the like relationship with tim yeah we see a lot of ourselves in him yeah. more so than we do with uh not ryan jamie, jamie? yeah also ryan hmm. but like i feel yeah. like it's similar behavior just on under a completely different lens yeah you're right like that is that's not something that i had thought about re really and I don't necessarily think that there is uh Tim loves stirring the pot. Sure. And Tim can be a shit, but I don't know that Tim is menacing to a certain extent. No, but I, that doesn't I mean hmm. that the way that he's conducting himself in this situation is good and right. Uh, and I'm just excusing it as like, oh, he's just being 
that word cheeky yeah you know i just feel like he has an opportunity to be a bit better than that right you're absolutely right but also like the temptation to be cheeky is overwhelming at times Mm. and sometimes irresistible (laughs) um as you may well know about me dear listener um so i don't know but anyway okay so she's chatting with ryan and this whole thing with tim happens yes but ryan to his credit really takes it in stride and he impresses angie with his relaxed down-to-earth nature and she offers him a rose wow which like kind of just seems like a logical step in this thing right but also when you think about it this is the first rose of the season that was offered outside of a date or a rose ceremony, aside from the yellow rose that was give to Carl, given to Colin on night one. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I guess some boys have gotten roses from their alone time, but that's separate to this. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow, good for Ryan. Yeah. Look, he, this is a moment where I'm like, you know what? Ryan is being mature and he's well, being good-natured. He absolutely and- is. Like, he, I think that... and I have don't think I've deviated from this at all. This isn't... I, he's fine. I yeah, like Ryan. I totally. think he's nice. I just wish that we got to know him more. Yeah. Because the one character trait that we're being presented, or the two are like, one is he's quiet mm. and nice. And the other one is he likes dogs. He likes dogs. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. It could build. It's So the thing is like, I believe in the thing about equal and opposite sometimes. Mm. I think that it's nice to find people in your life who support you, but then also balance you. And the way that Angie's described that in confessionals is like, I think, pretty true to what might be conducive for a healthy relationship for her, assuming that she's saying that she knows what she needs. Yeah. Right. Which we can only assume that she is like aware of who she is and what she wants at this sure. point in her yeah. life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, but I also don't think that that makes necessarily, those kind of men don't necessarily make for the best television. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they are simply nice and good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of nice and good, Jamie, (laughs) Jamie's been bubbling away this whole time. Um, he tells the camera, of course I deserve more time with Angie. I just need that intimacy time with her. So I'm coming in like the bull. I, so I just need that intimacy time with her is like, if you fed something into Google translate Mm. and then fed it back. Yeah. You know, from the translated language into English. But the language was like predator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the kind of like, just the structure of that sentence really mm. gave me the creeps. Um, so he has a chat with her and he begins, I know I've brought a lot of negativity to you and I apologize for that, but I don't actually regret it. It was all true. Good start. And Just like, a good start. Some of this is a little bit Frank and Didden. The jury's kind of out on exactly what he says, I think, but like... Come on. You can kind of tell from the tone and the response. Yeah. Like, it's so it's, it was at this point, I reckon, in the season that I had started to feel sorry for Jared, mm. even though it was Jared. very funny. Oh, yeah. in Jared's season. Yeah, 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 in Jared's season. Um, uh, at this point, I'm starting to feel more and more vindictive about watching Jamie's sip, ship get sunk. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, Angie has a great snapback where she's just like, hmm, was it? <laughs> Which is wonderful. Feels like a gif. Um, it is so it's good. a wonderful moment. Um, she goes, what you said about Colin was hardcore. I don't know why you're spending so much time focusing on him. You should be focusing on me. True. Totally true. Jamie basically begs her to let him redeem himself. And Angie, clearly pretty uncomfortable, says, I need to go now because I've got some stuff to think about. Mm. And then in voiceover, we hear him say, I did everything I could to tell her who's genuine and who's ingenuous. And as she tries to walk away, we hear him say, 
no matter what happens today, like I'd love to like catch up for coffee or something like one time in the future. Do you know what I mean? What a disgenuine sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody, I'll name names. Katie. Yes. Wonderful friend of the podcast. Uh, was watching with us and she was like the the difference between him asking to go to coffee sometime and kieran asking her to slide into the dms is like night oh, and day isn't it startling yeah it's a shocking like parallel yeah yeah it's sort of like the um heartfelt we love each other but we can't be together mm. um we're waving at each other across the river we still whatever. mean something to each other yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah yeah versus like I want you to come near me again and you very much do not want to come near me again. And mm. I see that, but I'm still going to ask you because I can see He's that basically that's, yeah. saying, I have not heard no enough times. Yes. Oh, isn't it? And like, it's, uh, I don't know if immature is the right word. It's the word that I want to, it's like, it's mm. not a, an emotionally mature response to this situation. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, growing up, maybe, uh, everyone learns that lesson a little mm, bit mm. to be 39 and to have not learned it is pretty appalling. Yeah. Um, anyway, Rose ceremony, uh, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. Tim and Ryan are safe. Asha tells the remaining five that frankly, your future in the mansion is in jeopardy. Thank you for being Frank Osha. Uh, and the fairly predictable outcome is that Jamie is finally sent home he asks Angie for a quick chat on his way out. Oh, yuck. Get out. And he reveals that he has written a quick note for her. Is it like at this point, I'm expecting the note to be like spelled out with letters that he has cut from the newspaper. Right. It's like directions to where her family. Are <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're falling into the trap that the show does, which is like literally comparing him to like some kind of actual criminal. It's true. Which I don't want to paint him with that no, brush. No, you're right. You're but, absolutely right. But also like. The dude needs to check himself. Yeah, this is like so... And we need to, like, learn from the mistakes that he is making time and time again. Yeah, so the thing is, right, this is creepy. This is bad behavior. Yeah. It's not acceptable. The present, the reason why it is attuned to being presented as this, like, stalker, serial killer, psychopath behavior mm. is because sometimes those are the, like, shared tendencies. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to... Uh, like pontificate too broadly on what those things are and mean as someone who's not an expert in that field, you know? Sure, but I don't think they ever caught Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so he could be still out there. Zodiac? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, true, true. Fucking read between the lines, man. <laughs> the right way you last expect him. Yep, in on The Bachelor. On The Bachelor. <laughs> and Jack, as we know... Uh, another name for Jamie, is that right? True. Yes. Ja Jack is short for Jamie, and so is Zodiac. Zodi Jack. Oh. Has anyone ever put that together? Zodi Jack, Jack the, the Ripper? Ripper. I've got to. I've got to make some calls. <laughs> and it is here, dear listener, where we end the podcast, <laughs> pretty much, and we turn into a murder conspiracy podcast. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, yeah. very popular <laughs> true crime. Maybe like false crime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> false crime is good. Alleged crime. <laughs> uh, the note says, 
fucking Zodiac had notes. Mm. This is, I just said that I didn't want to do this. <laughs> and I have doubled down so hard. Oh, no. It's not okay. It's not. Because it reduces him to a caricature when in actual fact, he is a person <sighs> making bad decisions. This is the thing, right? This is a fully formed human man who is making really, really bad decisions. The comparison is there because the similarities exist in the stereotype that is presented to yes, you. right. That's what I've been trying to get to. <laughs> Got it, yeah. yeah. We're good. We can sleep with a good conscience. Um, he says, Angie, well, the note says, Angie, I love your vibrant energy, your positive outlook on life, and most importantly, how you've been willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone. <laughs> it's like by talking to you. Yuck. Uh, I hope you find a guy who just really cares for you will look after you it's been a privilege and an honour just to spend time with you uh, and that's about it really he hops in the limo we hear a big bleeped swear word don't know what it would have been uh, and then we just see a shot of him with his eyes closed as it drives off which to me feels like maybe a little much yeah <laughs> yeah as like Gary Jules's mad world pumps in over right. the top right right right, right. <laughs> what do you think that he's listening to actually in the speakers mm. uh, in the car on the way out I want to say he's watching the Joker trailer on his phone <laughs> or something. I was thinking I might used be. to think my life was a romance reality dating show uh-huh. now I realize Oh, I got booted off. <laughs> uh, what if it's the other way? And what if it's just like, well, so what? I'm still a rock star. You know, like, I just feel He's like... listening to Walking on Sunshine with that, like, dead face. <laughs> oh, and so draws to a close Jamie's time in the house. And I hope to God that we don't see him on Paradise. I don't think they, they would do that to us. I they? hope not. You know, I hope he doesn't get a chance. I hope that, like, Charlie... This is the sort of person who doesn't get a second go at it. Mm. Because as we say in the media, he's doubled down and, you know, across press and here on this podcast, he has been described almost universally and has shown himself to be nothing other than a person who very much does not get it. He's a bit yuck. Yeah. And I don't, but I think like more important than that, as far as Channel 10 goes, like he's not somebody that people have responded and said that they want to see more of. Right. Yeah. Everyone was like, get out, Lurch. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe they would bring him back to make people upset and tweet about it, but also just like, let's not. Let's not do it. Yeah. There would probably be something worse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know. Next time something very horny happens with a blindfolded Ryan and a quote unquote love expert. Oh, hello. We might finally learn something about Ryan. Yeah. Well, um, uh, hopefully after we take away his uh, sense of sight, Mm. maybe the sense of characterization (laughs) will develop. I'm just curious if the carpet matches the... the, Wait, the absence of carpet matches the absence (laughs) of drinks. (laughs) Funny. Uh, there are some, quote, candid confessions at the, quote, Last Supper before hometowns. And Angie has a fucking great new hairstyle, which we will talk all about. <laughs> that is my promise to you. Fabulous. I can not wait. In fact, dabulous. <laughs> She's asleep. Oh, she She's literally asleep. asleep. You know that thing where you fall asleep listening to a podcast? Yeah. That's her life right it's now, IRL. but in real time. And if you subscribe now, you can get <laughs> one live podcast recording session in your bedroom whilst <laughs> you're trying to sleep for the low price of $16 a month plus individual fee per episode. Great. Okay. So thank you so much for joining us. We did, in fact, come here to make friends. The easiest way for you to do that now is to join the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook. You we like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, we, we do. are doubling down on Facebook. Capitalism. 
Um, I almost didn't use Facebook, and then I started this group. <laughs> uh, if yeah, you... I was almost out. Facebook's best functionality and most enduring, enduring, not enduring, enduring mm. one is the groups. I think for now. sure. Yeah. Um, if you have some sort of uh, reluctance or hesitance towards that, you can also find us on other social media yes. such as Twitter, which has never done anything wrong, and <laughs> Instagram, which is owned by a great company called Facebook. <laughs> We're at Boh Pod. Track us down. Um, we're everywhere. Um, we're <laughs> We're everywhere. Much like Jamie, we are everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Thank you once again for listening to our wonderful podcast. Yes. Max, thank you for being here. Thank you, Xavi. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. We'll do another episode and it's going to be a good one, I reckon. Can't wait. Okay, listeners, we love you. Goodbye. We love you. Goodbye.